Would you like to live a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Welcome to The Sweet Spot, where healing, spirituality, and culture meet. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Better as he introduces you to healing and spirituality in world cultures. Here's the host of your show, Robert Better. Hello, everybody in my listening audience. Many of you have already met our guest for today, Dr. Ashok Malhotra, philosophy professor at State University of New York College at Oneonta, who is now retired. I gave you a big, big introduction to him in an earlier session, so I, you already know him. Today, we're going to pick up where we left off in our last podcast, where we talked about the healing power of stories. And Dr. Malhotra has some amazing stories from early in his life that I think are quintessential examples of how stories are able to transform people's lives. So, Dr. Malhotra, so glad to have you again. Welcome back. Thank you, Bob. I'm so happy to come back. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, today we get to hear about some stories from your grandpa. So, I'm going to leave it to you to kick it off and tell us about him and how he started you on this path. Okay. Okay. Since uh, there are many, many stories he told us. My grandfather told us. There are 250 plus stories. So I had to pick and choose stories which are pertinent to what you're doing. So my grandfather was a very wise man. He was a station master for the British Railway. And he was posted every two years in a different city. So what we call West Pakistan now, he had traveled through every one of those cities. And during that time, he had learned Urdu, which is spoken in Pakistan. He learned Pashto, which is spoken in Afghanistan. He learned Persian, Farsi, which is spoken in Iran. Then he learned Hindi, Punjabi, and of course, English. So he was fluent in six languages. And he had read these stories, heard these stories from all over the world. But in his mind, when he tried to convey it to his grandchildren, they were 11 of us. He will not distinguish between one story and another, as if all these stories whether they were told in China or Japan or they were told in India or Iran or Afghanistan or Egypt or they were biblical stories or Buddhist stories, Panchtantra stories, all of them were stories from India. Now, a person could get mixed up at the present time, but we are not mixed up because this was globalization all the cultures of the world were brought together through these stories. And these stories are very pertinent. And he would come back after his work and all the 11 grandchildren and some of our friends waited for him because that was the best cultural treat anybody could get. 
or expect because he didn't have to read anything for us. He had all these stories in his head. So he will come back. He will sit in his cane chair. One of the older brothers will prepare a hookah for him and he will take the first puff. And the first puff will some other help him. His eyes will start glittering, they will pop out, and he was ready to start talking. And he had more than 250 stories from all over the world. And he had collected them just like a bee, which goes to hundreds of different flowers to collect that beautiful thing called honey. And sometimes a bee has to go five million miles to create one spoon of honey. That's the way his stories were. It's, it's kind of an extraction from all the culture. So he had a style of telling his stories. One of the things he used to say to all of us, he never called us his grandchildren. He will say, you're my garden. You're my flowers in this gorgeous garden. You're my vitamins. And when I look at you, it fulfills me. And we were waiting to be fulfilled by his stories and the meaning which we always aspired and we could get it from him. And he has a style of storytelling. His stories were one minute long, five minutes long, one mile long. If you started walking with him and he started telling the story, it would take a mile to complete it. And then five miles long story, 10 miles. Of course, whenever he asked us, how long the story be? 10 miles long, we'll scream out because we wanted an unending story. Now, he told us 250 stories and I listened to him very, very carefully. And the fun part is that all those stories I've told in my classes and sometimes my former students come back and they say, Professor Mahotra, I took your course on existentialism, or took course on yoga, or I took course on mysticism and meditation. But I don't remember most of the things you said, but I remember the stories you told us. <laughs> and that's the fun part. So my grandfather, our grandfather used to say, his name was Harichand Chopra. So these are his wisdom stories for life's nourishment. So he used to say, the stories you hear as children, they mold you rest of your life, if you pay attention. And I remember those 250 stories, they have been part of my life. I have completed four volumes of story, 40 stories each. They are redone the way I understand it. And those are the stories in Grandpa Chopra's Wisdom Stories, Volume 1, 2, 3, 4, and so forth. I'm recreating them. But the story which really guided my life and which has become part of me, and I cannot separate, it's a story, very simple story. It's one-page story written in the language called Urdu and which is uh, uh, coming out of Arabic and Persian and written from right to left. It sounds like a Hindi language. 
it was created by the Turks who ruled it there at a certain point. Anyway, the story is about Nightingale and a Firefly. And that really stayed with me. One page point, and I can say it in Urdu, which I'll not do it today, but I'll translate it into simple English. There is a nightingale. She has created a beautiful nest on the branch of a tree. She had two babies. And every morning, after giving hugs and kisses to her two babies, she would go out to get some food for them. And she had a usual spot where she went and picked up the food. But this particular day, she goes to the usual spot and she finds that it is dug up. The farmer has dug up, putting his crop. So she cannot find the food. She goes to the next field, same thing, it's dug up, next and next. So she keeps on going from one field to the other without realizing that she has been flying for a long time. Finally, she realizes that the sun is setting and now it has set and the darkness of the sky is increasing and she had lost her way. And she sits down on the branch of a tree and starts lamenting about her foolishness. And the poem starts just at this. That's the background. The poem says that on the branch of a tree sat a nightingale, very sad, lamenting, saying to herself, I should have gone back before the sun set. My babies are hungry. They could fall off the nest. It's darkness. Somebody could hurt them. I'm so foolish. I should have realized that before I kept on flying. No help is coming. The more she lamented, more darkness spread. It became totally pitch dark when she felt totally hopeless. Just at that point, a firefly, which was listening to her plight, came there to tell her she had the light to light up this darkness and she can take her back. Even though she's small, that's the only hope she had. So the nightingale listened to that and flew with the firefly and Nightingale came back and embraced her two children. And the moral of the story is, even if you have little hands, you can perform miracles when people need you the most, be available. Open up your spirit, open up your heart, open up your body. Whatever talent you have, you can express it to help others. And when you help others, you take away their pain and you're healing them. And that's what the grandfathers told us. And it became part of my life. And I told myself, I'm going to be that firefly, even though I'm one among seven billion people. Still, I can make a tiny success in the life of somebody else. Well, you have been quite the firefly over the course of your lifetime. That's for sure. Thank you. Thank you. So 
now this story when you said that the story guided you in your life what what exactly did you mean in other words did that story stay with you throughout your life or was it like sometime later that you look back on that particular story and realize the significance of it i think that it's both what you said that the story was always there as an undercurrent of my life i did all the other things but i always thought that when i have the opportunity i'm going to be that firefly but throughout my life i tried to guide myself if somebody needed a help and i would offer a help there so i didn't want to challenge the person i rather challenge their spirituality their uh, life their actions i learned from this story when somebody is in need forget about who that person is just help them so i'll give you another story which happened in my own life i had just gone to a new place called bits birla institute of technology and science to do my ba degree and that master degree and this was my first year freshman i go there and i always wanted to be a writer so i wrote three stories in hindi which is the language i learned in india and when i submitted those three stories to the editor student editor of the hindi section of the student's journal after a week or so i got the three stories back with a comment on the top that these stories are so poorly written you'll never be a writer now i didn't mind the first part that they were poorly written that was a judgment but to say on the basis of those three stories you'll never be a writer that's really jumping to a very big conclusion oh i got very upset you know all that humanity or a helpfulness was pushed in the background so i'm thinking i had to give it back to him teach him a lesson so anyway so i talked to other people six months later or a year later i talked to various friends and they said you know next election is coming we are going to choose the editor editor in chief for our english and in this section of the magazine why do you run for it then i said oh good so anyway i was motivated by some evil desire <laughs> so i ran for it i got elected now i became the editor in chief and this guy who rejected my stories had to work under me the moment i took off <laughs> this guy come over with his resignation letter i said i can't work for you i'm so sorry that i did that you know it was foolish of me and uh, i cannot I, so i looked at his face and, and this story came in handy so i said why are you mad at this man he just like any other human being he's read those three stories and uh, impulsively he wrote that so i said that to him 
what I'm saying it to you. I say you are impulsively. I might have said that too, and later I'll regret it. So listen. On the basis of three small pieces, which are three stories, you can't judge a person's entire life. You don't know. And so what I want you to do is be more humane, be more a human being, be more understanding. You know, maybe you could have said the, the poor stories. I will give you some help to redo them, correct them. Or I know somebody like Bob, who can help you with your Hindi uh, and so forth. So I said, I don't want you to resign. So please work. You are going to be my best friend. And he listened and he became one of my good buddies. And we ran that student's newspaper. So this is coming out of that firefly. Firefly there, no, the nightingale, but it was ready to help, irrespective of who that person was. Uh, Firefly would have said, after listening to the nightingale, you're so damn foolish. Why didn't you go back when someone said, <laughs> you can be very picky and you can say, come on, you're so foolish, you're a mother. Then you take care of your baby, you know, now you're crying after this foolish act that has been performed. No, she negated all that. You need help. I'm there to help because I have the source of help. I can be that light to get rid of your plight you're in. So this is the way I try to operate. And much later, of course, we'll talk during your third segment, how all that became so concrete and it changed my entire life. Instead of just having a living, pay to paycheck living, finishing my PhD, and then uh, starting a new philosophy department, creating major and minor, teaching many, many people, including you, that is living. I was making my living paycheck to paycheck. And of course, I was teaching the students. But there came a point in my life. And I said, living is not enough. I need a life. And that's where this story of Firefly and Nightingale came in handy. <laughs> I found a course of my life. And there, I could express my spirit. And because I brought together my physical body, my emotional self, and my mental self, and integrated them so that they can express what I really am. Well, what a beautiful story that is. And a, a, good, a good way for us to end our first session is to say that that is the lead-in to two more segments that I hope our listeners will uh, tune in for so that we can hear some more healing wisdom from Dr. Ashok Malhotra, some of the stories of his grandfather and how they relate to us healing our lives today. So thank you, Dr. Malhotra. Thank you, Bob. It's always a pleasure to talk to you again and again.
And thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been Healing and Spirituality in World Cultures with Robert Vetter. Thanks for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and share with everyone you know who might benefit from these messages. Until next time, remember, be kind and loving to yourself and others. Together, we can heal ourselves and help build a better world.